The government hasn't had a permanent chief financial officer, or in government speak, a controller for more than two years. And now the Trump administration is considering its nominee, Fred Nutt, for another position in the government. Nutt had been waiting for the Senate to act since September of 2017. In his weekly feature, The Reporter's Notebook, executive editor Jason Miller writes about why the OMB controller position is more important now than ever and why not having a permanent one for the past two years is problematic. Jason joins me now in studio. And Jason, let's start with Fred Nutt. Why has he been waiting all this long and why is he moving along now? I think, that, Tom, there's a combination of reasons. I think one is the Senate just doesn't act very fast. And especially when you look at all the positions that are up for nomination, that are that people are waiting to be confirmed, it's just a slow process. But secondly, and this is what I heard from a uh, Homeland Security Governmental Affairs Committee aide, that there were some concerns about his qualifications, and that's why they didn't move him out of the committee. I think he did get a hearing about a, about a year and a half ago now. And, you know, from all intents and purposes, people said, oh, the, the, the hearing went well, there were no complaints. No one really objected too too strongly about it. So I think it's just somebody somewhere was was not happy with him, and and the, the position has just languished. Which is interesting because I've heard from others outside of the Hill that people like him. He's a smart guy. He has a good experience. So I never heard from that committee aide why they were unhappy. Just they were unhappy. What do we know about him other than that he was nominated? Well, he spent time in the government. He was. Uh, the CFO over at OPIC, the Overseas Private Investment Corporation. So he's not like he's new to the government, but at the same time, uh, there, there is, um, you know, that was his position, in, most recent position in government. Um, but again, uh, what I've heard from others is, is he's a smart guy. He understands the topics. He, he would be a very well-qualified controller. And why do you write that having an OMB controller now matters so much? It's definitely one of those positions that people don't think about, right? I mean, I've written very similar articles, Tom, over the last two years about the federal CIO first, why it took so long. Most recently, I wrote about the Office of Federal Procurement Policy, that administrator, why that has taken so long. And then controller position, I think, is equal to that, going, they have so much involvement in everything any administration wants to do, that not having that person at the helm is really missing opportunities. And when I spoke with, with several different people in the financial management community, they all pointed to the, for instance, they started with the presence management agenda. Nearly every cross-agency initiative has a financial component to it. Tom, some are pretty straightforward, right? Some are like getting rid of improper payments, right? Others are, you know, federal IT spending. That's an easy one. But others, like moving from low value to high value work, as an example, Tom, a lot of that is happening now in the financial management community. When I I was at the Association for Government Accountants uh, Financial Systems Summit last week, and Almost every panel seemed to talk about robotics process automation, RPA, and how they're using it to get away from low-value work. And having that person, having that controller there to work with the IT side, to work with Congress, to understand, to really explain the priorities, I think that is missing an opportunity. Additionally, I would point to the fact that the financial management community, because of these innovative technologies, is transforming. And as one person told me, Jason, we used to be compliance. Everything to think about compliance, A123, internal audits, internal controls. And now they're saying because of this technology, we can automate that internal controls and automate those compliance issues and add value. And with all the focus on data, where does most of the data lie? In the CFO's office. Sure. We're speaking with Federal News Network's executive editor, Jason Miller, and the CFO community, the chief financial officer community, doesn't seem to be paralyzed by this lack of having a controller at OMB. And so is there any impact for the average CFO, even in a large department, without that 
counterpart at OMB in the White House? What I've been told by several people inside government is, no, the CFO community is a pretty tight community. They know the path they're going down. And in many ways, the Treasury Department, the Bureau of Fiscal Service, has stepped in to that vacancy of not having a controller. They put out uh, back in uh, August a new document around the Treasury's vision for financial management. It was a 10-year vision. It's looking to fill a bunch of different gaps across the federal financial management community. And that's been, in many ways, the guiding document for a lot of the CFOs. At the same time, the person who's holding down the deputy controller role at OMB, Tim Solstice, is well-respected, recognized as a really smart person, doing a really nice job, but he has the deputy controller job already. He can't play both – wear both hats, or he can, but it, it's, it's not an easy job to do. And where the controller goes out and talks to Congress and talks to the community and talks to industry, the deputy controller tends to stay inside and worry about the day-to-day stuff. So you really don't have that outside person using the bully pulpit but bully pulpit of the controller position to say, here's where we're going and everyone march this way, follow me. And the controller reports to the deputy director for budget? Management. DDM. The, DDM, right. Margaret Weicker. Because this she's is still, got two jobs too. She's got two jobs and, and probably three and four if you really want to get down to it because there's no OFPP administrator and there's no controller. So somehow she's wearing those hats too. So it's basically a high level management job that needs to have a pretty good financial sense to be a controller. Correct. If you think about the people who've been there before. Like Dave Mader. Dave Mader, Danny Werfel, as two examples, Linda Combs, if we want to go way back. Sure. They all had positions in the government that had a financial management bent towards them. Were they accountants? Did they wear the green shades? Maybe not. Well, a controller can help a program manager figure out how to get something done in the financial sense. Well, here's what you need to do to enable this. From an Accountants can't do right. that. That's where you need a controller. Uh, that's exactly right, and and that's why it's so important to have that position to work with federal CIO Suzette Kent, to work with OFPP, to work with uh, the HR side, OPM, to really say, okay, where can we together as the CXO community really get together on these cross-agency goals and make progress? And, with, and not that Tim Solstice over the deputy controller at OMB can't do it, but he doesn't carry the same gravitas as somebody who is a Senate-confirmed political appointee Absolutely. of the administration. One, one last tidbit of word, having a controller would be helpful as well, is GAO has started some work on the CFO Act at 30 years. Not, uh, if you're counting, Tom, 2020 is the 30th. 30th anniversary of the CFO Act. They're starting to do some research now. Having a controller to not only work with GAO, but to work with Congress to say, hey, maybe it's time to update this 30-year-old law would be very beneficial for the entire community. And by the way, do we know where Fred Nutt is headed at this point? We don't. A senior administration official just confirmed that he is being considered for another position, and that's all we know. And, And the Hill as well, they don't know much about what will happen next after Fred Nutt. All right. You're also writing, Jason, about a decision by GSA to rescind dozens of awards under this $15 billion small business IT contract, Alliant 2. What is going on there? This was a huge surprise. And and basically, it's leaving these 81 uh, small businesses going, why? Why are we waiting? Why, why? What's the deal here? Why do we have to, you know, be more even more patient? And, and basically, what it came down to is one contractor, one unsuccessful bidder, Citizen. Uh, submitted a protest to the Court of Federal Claims, and the Court of Federal Claims ruled and told GSA, yeah, you evaluated so poorly, you need to start over, or at least do reevaluations." Tom, let me just read you something that the judge wrote. The court presumes that Citizen was prejudiced because the record reflects multiple instances of the contracting officer evaluating proposals in an arbitrary, capricious, and irrational manner. 
I thought those were striking words from a judge to say how this Alliance Two Small Business contract was was looked over. And when I talked to some procurement lawyers, they pointed out the fact that the mistakes were made at the front end of the process. So usually, you know, any any big contract like this goes through several different iterations of the of the evaluations. And because this was done at the front end, this is requiring GSA to go back to that step one, which is start where you look at proposals. So what's that mean? It's hard to say. GSA obviously is still figuring that out. But in the meantime, this is this is just what I call shows the fragility of multiple war contracts. And several procurement experts pointed that out, asking why is the government continue down this path when they con- consistently have these challenges of bid protests and this inability to be, if you will, consistently evaluate them. So lesson learned, don't break out the champagne too soon if you win one of those awards. Uh, absolutely. Now, there's plenty of examples of good ones that have gone through the process without protests or minimal protests. But uh, Tom, we're seeing this trend here of, of any big Multiple war contract getting protested. Federal News Network's Jason Miller, thanks so much. Always a pleasure. Be sure to check out his notebook now online at federalnewsnetwork.com.